Welcome to Founders Journey Unplugged, where Bastian and I candidly share experiences, challenges, and learnings while building our company from the ground up. We believe the most important factor in building a successful business is the team, and it all starts with the co-founders. In this episode, we want to talk about how we have formed our team of founders and what we have learned along that journey. I'm happy to, to kick it off with a, with a question that we both were discussing a lot in the early days, co-founder first versus idea first. Basi, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think uh, this is a thing that uh, guided us over the last couple of years um, discussing that. And uh, there are a few things to consider. So I think if you have a very strong idea already that really drives you, this really makes you passionate about, then um, you have a different case because you really have to find people supporting you, having the same vision and building a team heavily based on your idea. However, if you don't have this yet, uh, we would like also to introduce another path to you today which we call the kind of co-founder first model. And this is exactly the model that Marcus and I choose to, uh, for our venture that we're building currently, because um, it is really, really a great uh, source of uh, power to have a great collaboration with your co-founders. And I would especially like to emphasize also on the kind of ideation process. For myself, for my personality, for example, uh, doing ideation alone on myself feels very tough. It's a very unsecure outcome. It's very tough phase often. So you really need the right sparring partner. And so we knew from our past that we would be very good sparring partners. So we decided to go on this journey together, even potentially adding further co-founders. And uh, for us, uh, this was really a way to develop an idea by having the co-founder in first. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I can, I'm, I'm happy to share a little bit of a, my story when I've tried to start a company in early 2018 when I left N26. I, I, I left them because I wanted to start a company again. And uh, I, I was looking for potential co-founders and actually had a team. I had an engineer, the business guy, the business guy then decided not to do it because he became father for a second time and didn't feel uh, ready with it. So that was actually a team that I think would have worked quite well. But then I had to, I, I gave myself six months and I had to find uh, a co-founder because I, I love just to work with someone who is also business, coming from a business background to be a sparing partner on, on uh, the discovery on the business case and so on. And I kind of, I, I met a lot of very interesting people for lunch, did workshops with them, did questionnaires with them, even ended up with like some people joining them as a co-founder, which then didn't work out. But Reflecting on on all of that after six months, I felt okay. Like you cannot force to get to find the right team in a short short amount of time. Of course, there are programs like Entrepreneur First and so on that can help you and they can make it happen. But what I realized after this like six months of trying to build a company or find the co-founders that I have to like I want to build a company with people I have worked with together and with people I went through very challenging times together. Why? Because, of course, a lot of startups fail due to challenges in the founder team. And the challenges in the founder team usually come up when there are tough times, because then you see the real face of someone, whether they kind of freak out, whether they completely going into themselves and don't communicate anymore. So I, I actually want to work with people who stay calm in crazy times and like 
a focused, rational, and going forward. And so that's a skill that's very hard to identify when, when, so, when, when you first meet someone. And so that's why I've decided for myself, I want to work with people who I have some past working experience with, particularly even particularly in, in challenging times. And I want to work with people who I want to spend a lot of, like, who I love to spend time with because I will spend a lot of time with them. So that was my criteria after, the, after all. And I then have set myself up in a way that I, I have been fully flexible. So I became a freelancer and knew that anytime I can cancel my job and if someone in my like top three, four, five people of potential co-founders mentions that they are available, I will kind of stop my freelancing and jump on board. And that took one and a half years. So what I want to say with that is like, make if you... If you have a few people in mind, but they are not available right now, don't force it. Make yourself flexible and jump on the, uh, take the opportunity whenever it's there. And that's how actually Bas and I ended up working together again. Uh, because yeah, at some point he said, okay, I feel ready. And then we, we managed to get started, but maybe it's worth talking first. Why even have a co-founder, right? Because we both have discussed this also a lot. Yeah, and I also would like really to emphasize also on the recommendation of Marcus here, like um, you could probably even see this a bit strategic um, when you were working in different organizations, keep your eyes open, position yourself, um, bring yourself that you're interested to do that one day and also talk to the other people that feel very passionate about it. Uh, so to really have kind of a network of a couple of people you have work experience with that you would feel uh, very well uh, working with as a co-founder and then uh, with one or the other it will work out at some point when you're ready uh, so this is really, so really something should be planned over let's say years or at least months and and, and not spontaneously because um, I, we really believe that uh, working with a co-founder is a strong outcome potential for the idea for the product uh, for what you can build uh, and it is not a sudden circumstance and uh, that in the business we are looking into in this really rapid uh, growth venture business kind of uh, that there is a typical design like two or three co-founders it's not that common to have only a single founder uh, at the, maybe a single founder starting but usually having kind of co-founders uh, joining later on at some point uh, on the other hand larger than three founders is often a bit complex to manage. So Max and I had the self an experience in our past uh, working with four founders, but worked quite well. was a probably a very positive example, but we have also heard of different examples and it can make companies lower to be more than three people. So therefore, in practical uh, examples, we see most of the time two to three. So uh, what do you think about Marcus? Why is it uh, that? And to be honest, like, I would never want to start a business like such a growth business myself uh just just by myself and carry all the responsibility just like have know that i'm the only one who is like the ultimate responsible person because i know that there will be it, it's a, it is a five to ten years journey and i know there will be times that are very tough and i think when we both were running the restaurant there were times where sometimes you were pulling more sometimes i were, was pulling more and kind of we pushed each other to move forward to can we felt accountable for certain things. You don't have like this, okay, today I'm not motivated type of thing because you feel some accountability to the to to the other person to not let them down and, and help them. So I personally, 
feel that as a team you just can achieve way more. Of course, you need to have the, the, the a good fit. And one thing is that you need to have a very strong base of values. But another thing is that what's very important is like some type of diversity of skills that you bring to the table. So you kind of leverage that. And for me, that was also always very helpful. I think in our early career, we had we were very similar in terms of our profile and, and understanding. By now, like 10 years later, we have developed in, we have still a, a good business base, back, base background that we share, but we have developed into quite uh, different directions and we benefit a lot from from this. So I would say that that's why for me, two people is, is great. Three people works really well if you kind of have another person bringing diversity in terms of skill to the team. Uh, but of course, more people make it a little bit more complex. We've even heard from founder teams of five or six people, but they are really exceptions. Um, so I would say like two to three people is really a, a good number you can manage. Uh, and a team that can build trust in efficiently and a, a good the skill diversity you can bring. I think a good addition there is also, uh, I would uh, rather go uh, for diverse co-founder teams, right? A bit diverse at least, um, because um, usually um, it's not that being a co-founder in the first uh, priority doesn't need to be like-minded, like a totally same person kind of often a friend like very uh, mirroring yourself uh, but it is often uh, very very valuable for the company if you can have very interdisciplinary discussions and if you have an interdisciplinary skill set taking over responsibility for so you're less dependent um, in fully trusting any other person to understand something like if you have no clue in the tech or if you have no clue in the product building as a co-founder you will be very very dependent from other teams from other leadership people if you have this basic uh, diversity of skills in your co-founder team uh, this is important so i would uh, optimize also on diversity in the co-founder team that is true however i would say i personally would not feel comfortable starting a business together with someone who is completely the opposite of myself. Like, let's say I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling comfortable to start a business only with an engineer, being the only business type of co-founder. Why? Because I know there's like around the business and product, there's so many difficult decisions to take around who is a type customer, what's the product I want to offer, what's the business model like I go for, what is, like, how do we, how do we do sales and marketing? There's so many the business, so to say, business-related questions that I feel like it's too much for one person to carry and then hand over only, like so to say, the tank part to one person. And I feel like I need to share somewhat of this business and product responsibility with someone. I need a sparing partner with all of these very, very difficult decisions on eye-to-eye level. And then, of course, it's great if you have someone who is a specialist in a field like technology or depending on what you do, like uh, like high specialist. There's even a story that someone mentioned once, like saying, either you need a, a hacker, hipster, and hustler. Um, and I think that's a quite interesting aspect. So someone who sales, someone who is like understands the customer, the market, the, 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 the dynamics out there, and someone who is like the builder, the, the, the hacker. And I think that, that combines it really well. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And um, meaning also more like a tentative um, kind of uh, looking for different skills. Um, of course, um, with a lot of trust and then the shared background is, is even more important um, in, if you really have to take the decision between the two. If you can optimize for both, it's of course the best. And uh, what we can really recommend is 
uh, really tested being a co-founder. Like, uh, don't have the uh, ambition to start everything right away, right? Uh, so as you do building a product very incrementally, very iteratively, also do it in your co-founder team. Um, we have to go to come to our team now that we are we are co-founder team of three. We have worked with different co-founders together. We've uh, jumped on project together, did project work or did uh, idea validation together without having even an organization in place at that point. So I think this is a very practical application how to collaboration will feel and if it uh, can work out very well. Uh, so you have real life um, feedback, but there's also a bit more kind of empirical way to do it, uh, for example, with uh, different questionnaires. Yeah, of course. Like we, there are a couple of really good questions out there. Uh, you can go for the startup questionnaires or you can go even like more psychological questionnaires, like the 36 questions to fall in love questionnaire and like go really deep in the conversation of like what's what are the drivers and motivations for people and so on. I think that's that's definitely something you should do. To give you a little bit of guidance in terms of timing, if you have no idea yet that you back a, a concrete business idea and you start with the, like you, you want to start a, a business, prepare that this will take time. So in our case, it took, I think, from, from decision that we want to do it till uh, basically then getting funding, having an, a, a, a Legal entity took more than one year from the day that we started full time working on this to the legal entity was like about eight, nine months. That was fast. I've heard of teams that need one, one and a half, two years to get to that point. I was naive in 2018 thinking that six months of run will, will, will be enough to get there. Yeah. And so that's why be prepared that this stuff can take one to two years to find the right person, right, find the right business idea and then get started. But it is worth the time and because it's so fundamental. Yeah, and um, this is also uh, leading us to another interesting topic because, uh, as you said, Marcus, uh, often it can uh, last quite some time and often you don't have the right people in place right from the beginning. So uh, you might want to add the co-founder also during the journey or even at the end of the journey. So this was also the case with us. Um, with our third co-founder who is taking over the tech responsibility in our company, he was quite involved in the in following us, like uh, very very in regular exchange. Uh, but he was still working, still busy in his job, in, and uh, was not part of the full time team uh, at the beginning of our project. So he was joining later. So uh, this is an absolutely normal opportunity, very good opportunity that you should go for if this feels right for you. So uh, it is, uh, I would say, uh, it extends the value of the team and extends your chances to be successful. So you should be very open-minded, go through, through the journey very open-minded if there are people who feel good to be on a full co-founder role. But of course, if you give that person a full co-founder role, this also means uh, some significant long-term decision power, shares in the company, etc. So also from the structure. So there are a couple of things uh, to consider. Um, and uh, for example, maybe Marcus, uh, you can talk about uh, about the hard share uh, discussion that we had and the, the issues that we were solving there that uh, might be important to keep in mind. Yeah, I think one more point to mention before we go into that is that if you look for a co-founder, prepare for a six to 10 years journey with that person. Well, if it's a founding team member, which is maybe an early employee who has, who's a very entrepreneurial employee, you expect them maybe to join a company for also a long time, but maybe more like three, four years and not carrying 
the full responsibility of everything that happens in the company. So if you look for co-founder, it means like you should be able to give away part of your baby and 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 work eye on eye level with them, even though they might have less shares than you. Oftentimes see the problem that maybe there's one co-founder with 80% and one with 20% and, and they can really feel the hierarchy in that in the company. I think for us, it's always was important, even someone joining us a little later with less shares than the two of us have, we, we still see them as a full co-founder carrying full responsibility and that, that this is a person that we committed to work for the next six to 10 years with. And, and so one part is giving this person substantial shares that is oftentimes like, or most of the time, two-digit two percent upwards, even though that person might join later. Uh, and it also means you try, you want to make the package as attractive as possible. That's still like, of course, you've got to have vesting and so on. We talk about this in a, in a separate session. But hard, like in, in, for example, German-Austrian law, it's very important to pay attention that hard shares are more attractive than um, virtual shares. And you can only, in the German-Austrian law, give someone hard shares before the first like big funding event. Afterwards, tax-wise, it's kind of complicated. Uh, so these are little legal details you should like, inform yourself about to make it attractive for someone to join as a co-founder. Because if someone joins later as a co-founder and then has virtual shares, tax-wise, it's not as attractive for that person. So it will never really feel like the same. So that's one thing I would definitely uh, pay also a lot of attention to, to be honest. Yeah, and uh, another thing um, is in general, I would say it's a bit more an emotional topic, but I would kind of want to warn you, if, uh, having this experience a couple of times myself, we had the same situation in our first business, uh, Marcus and I, one person was joining half a year later than the others. And at this point, you're often quite emotionally feeling it was my idea. I did put in a lot of work in the last couple of months. So you're really much uh, overwhelmed by this uh, very uh, close feelings from the last couple of months. However, really think about the next 10 years, right? Uh, when you take this decision, how to make a fear and uh, set up that really uh, will aim to bring the company to a long-term uh, achievements. And usually, if you want to aim for the 10 years journey, the last 10 months are not the main driver, which should define the split of the shares. They shouldn't be part of it, but they shouldn't be the main dominant driver. And, and uh, as Marco said, you have also to consider, of course, what is each person bringing in on track record in the past and also maybe uh, uh, actual, actual resources, for example, investment themselves. So um, by finding a balanced model, this can be a fair approach. It should definitely be a very fair approach, thinking about this long-term alignment that you need to achieve. Otherwise, it will be a challenge to work so close together. Yeah. That's, and there even is a good book, Split the Cake, actually, that tries to kind of give you a rational model, which we also use to build a kind of complex Excel to more rationalize our gut feeling and say, okay, where we put hard numbers there, does it is that a fair offer? That between Pasha and I, we started pretty much at the same time. We brought pretty much the same thing to the table. So we said, okay, let's just equally split it. It doesn't make sense that someone has like one or two percent more or less. That's just like ridiculous. And even if someone would have joined us a month or two months in the project, it would be still the same for us. But someone joining us like six, nine, 12 months later, well, we have organized, maybe we, we said we raised the funding round, we validated the idea and so on. Of course, that is some value we went for like more than half a year without salary. So that needs to be factored in and we try to build a model around that. But as Masti said, like, 
the future is a, it's really a long path in the future. So don't overestimate the, the couple of months that you have invested initially. The idea is worth usually nothing. If it's a highly validated idea and validation comes with like traction, then of course you can like count, count someone on like, can I price that in? Uh, but yeah, also make it make something that's attractive for the person who joins you so that they really have the film feeling full ownership. And that's why you have vesting terms that protect the whole team from like someone leaving early and then destroying the whole cap table and setup. So th- we have decided for really tough vesting terms among us to protect every one of us from these things. So yeah, can talk about this in a in a in a special episode. I that's a little bit on our thoughts on on, on co-founders, Buffy. Any any final thoughts from your your side? Yeah, maybe a final thought. Uh, we always try to reflect this very much here in this podcast on the uh, fast-growing venture capital cases. And uh, so, especially here, also with the co-founder, um, it is about, in our opinion, it's about deleveraging l- l- the risk that this company will not have the big breakthrough ext- uh, above optimizing on your own shares. Right. So if there is significant value for the future to the table, it's really about building value uh, and growing the company and not uh, about the little share um, discussion. Right. Yeah. So overall opinion from our side to that. So, yeah, trust, trust and like everyone getting a, a little bit of a big cake then uh, everyone optimizing the piece of the cake and then keeping the cake small. That's that's not. It's not meaningful, not not in the same yeah, public industry will work. Yeah. So so you will not have this big break too. It's usually a zero or one game. Um and, and not something in between. Yeah, we as, as always we are interested in your thoughts on like how did you go through that journey of who gets how many shares and how to find the right co-founder and so on. We're really curious to to hear some some thoughts in the comments and uh some follow-up questions that we might have another session on that. Thank you as always for listening in. Thanks, bye guys.